Last week, uh, draconian anti-immigration law went into effect in Arizona. Now, I know that this law has become politically controversial, so let me assure you that even a quick study of the factors that led to its passage is enough to understand that this law dehumanizes and scapegoats hardworking people who are themselves the victim, victims of an unjust and racist immigration system. The real truth is that people are hurting in our economy, and hurting people are often eager to have someone to blame their pain on. When the economy was booming, Arizonans were happy to have undocumented workers building their houses for sub-minimum wage. Now that those houses are worth a quarter of what they sold for three or four years ago, those same people recently taken advantage of to create economic growth have now been turned into scapegoats. And so this spring, SB 1070 was passed by a legislature eager to do something, anything, and signed by a governor desperate to prove her conservative credentials. And even though parts of SB 1070 were blocked by a federal judge, some law, local law enforcement officers were intent on enforcing it anyway, and they announced their plans to detain anyone they suspected of being an undocumented immigrant who could not immediately prove their documentation status. Of course, that suspicion is heightened when the people in question have brown skin or the features of, let's face it, the indigenous people of what is now Arizona. Undocumented Europeans were not the target of these raids. In response to this injustice, the Unitarian Universalist Association and our Arizona congregations have entered into a partnership with a coalition of Latino, Latina, Hispanic, and Native American groups called Puente. Spanish for bridge, Puente is a human rights movement based in the principles of nonviolence, respect for our Mother Earth and all of her people, and in their words, the struggle to build a bridge flexible enough to withstand the strongest winds over the abyss of ignorance, hate, and dangerous political currents threatening our very existence as human beings. Puente asked religious people from all faiths to come to Arizona in witness and solidarity on July 29th when the law went into effect, and Unitarian Universalists answered their call in numbers unmatched by any other faith group. Unitarian Universalists from all over the country, ministers and lay people both headed to Phoenix last week to stand on the side of love with our immigrant siblings. I had planned to answer the call myself. I purchased a ticket to Phoenix. Thanks to flight cancellations and delays, though I managed to spend an entire day in New York City's airports, I remained stuck in New York. And so I did not have to make the decision that my colleagues who ventured to Phoenix did. You see, Puente asked those who were willing and able to participate in nonviolent civil disobedience by blocking the entrance to the Maricopa County Jail and the street in front of it 
The Maricopa County Jail was chosen on purpose. This is the jail where those arrested by Sheriff Joe Arpaio and his deputies are brought. Sheriff Joe, as he's known there, is among the most outspoken anti-immigrant voices in Arizona. Sheriff Joe is the one who said he didn't need a special law enforced to round up brown-skinned people on the streets for the supposed crime of not carrying proof of legal residency or citizenship with them. How many of us carry proof of our legal residency or citizenship wherever we go? I don't. The Maricopa County Jail is where the victims of those racist and unjust raids would be brought. Therefore, blocking the entrance to the jail was to be a public statement of opposition to law enforcement efforts that dehumanize and scapegoat people because of their ethnic origin. And our partners in Puente asked us to help them make that statement. They asked, knowing that many of the people in Puente would be unable to do so because being arrested, whatever their documentation status, would lead to their deportation. They asked, knowing that most of the Unitarian Universalists who gathered there were citizens of the United States who could not be sent to another country. Last Thursday, 82 people were arrested in nonviolent civil disobedience outside the Maricopa County Jail. Some 30 of them were Unitarian Universalists, including the president of our association, the Reverend Peter Morales, and my friend, the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray, the minister of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Phoenix. As she was handcuffed in front of the jail, Susan was asked for a comment. She replied, love is where our future is, not fear and not hate. Many of the people who participated in the nonviolent civil disobedience were my friends, and all of them have my deepest respect for their courage in standing up to Sheriff Joe. Some of them have brought back and told amazing stories of their experience, both heartwarming stories of love in action and harrowing stories of horrible treatment, racist treatment of Unitarian Universalists of color in the jails, and disgusting and abhorrent conditions. I wish I could tell you all of these stories, but I'll be satisfied with a few. Among the first people to be arrested was Mar Cardenas, a UU from San Diego. Mar's story, I believe, is special enough to be singled out. I met Mar at General Assembly this year in Minneapolis, and we have become Facebook friends Pictures of her screaming in pain as she was handcuffed by police in riot gear were all over the news that night and the next day, on CNN, on the evening network news, and in the New York Times, among many other newspapers. When she was in the Maricopa County Jail last Thursday night, Mar was near the front of the jail cell when Sheriff Joe Arpaio came himself to visit. Mar saw through the small cell window that he was looking directly at her. And so she formed her fingers into a heart and said, Sheriff Joe, I love you. She reports that he pointed to himself and said, me? And when she nodded yes, 
he did not know how to react. The 82 people arrested in Phoenix were just a small portion of the people protesting that day. Hundreds of UUs and others were marching and singing and chanting. They were worshiping, handing out water, taking photos, and supporting those who chose to engage in civil disobedience. No one, whether or not they were arrested, made their choice lightly about their participation in the civil disobedience. And had I been in Phoenix, I too would have been faced with a difficult decision. Difficult because I am privileged to enjoy freedom in this country. I am privileged to be able to walk down the street without harassment. I am privileged to not look to Sheriff Joe and his deputies like I might be in this country without documentation. I am privileged not to have a prior criminal record, so there could be no excuse for the courts to deal with me harshly. I am privileged to be able-bodied enough to survive a night on a cold concrete floor, my hands tied behind my back with cutting plastic straps. I am privileged to have an immune system capable of spending the night in a jail soiled with human feces. And because of all this privilege, I have a special responsibility to stand up to injustice. Because of my privilege, I would have been specially challenged to put my freedom on the line in order to let the world know that what is going on in Arizona is not only unjust, but immoral. Oh sure, it would have been an inconvenience. I might have had to cancel my upcoming vacation out of the country, which would not have made my parents, who have already paid for the airfare and lodging, very happy. I certainly would have had to invest more of my own money in plane tickets to Phoenix to appear at my court date. And I have no idea what an arrest record, even one gained through nonviolent civil disobedience, would look like to those who might have cause to do a background check on me in the future. Adoption agencies, insurance companies, perhaps even future employers. I don't, to be honest, even know whether this congregation would appreciate your minister engaging in civil disobedience and being arrested. It would have been a hard decision. Had I chosen the path of nonviolent civil disobedience, I would have been in good company. Not only the company I'd have had in the jail overnight last Thursday, but the company I would have had through history. Resistance to unjust laws is the moral obligation of those of us whose existence would otherwise make us complicit with those laws. And make no mistake, there are unjust laws. Just because something is legal does not make it right. And just because something is illegal does not make it wrong. What form that resistance takes, that's another story. Unitarian Henry David Thoreau wrote about this in the 19th century when he was imprisoned for refusing to pay taxes that would support a war that he felt was immoral. Quite ironically, the very same war that resulted in the US border running between what is now Arizona and Mexico making those who crossed that border aliens in a land that was once their peoples. 
Thoreau asserted in his famous essay, Civil Disobedience, from which Erica read, that though we need not actively fight injustice, it is our moral duty not to support it. He did, though, allow that while he chose the path of civil disobedience, others would choose a longer and less confrontational way, that of trying to change the laws, but obeying them while they are in force. And so I would have been forced to ask myself if working to change the law in Arizona was enough. And I'm not sure what I would have answered. Surely I respect those who chose and continue to choose that tactic. I'm frankly glad that the Justice Department is suing to overturn the law. And most of the time, that's the path I choose. I have demonstrated and conti will continue to do so for comprehensive immigration reform. I have witnessed again and again to the power of love and hatred over intolerance, and I will continue to do so. I have insisted that our faith and our nation's ideals both call us to treat people with dignity and respect, all people, to resist the dehumanization of immigrants, to love our neighbor as ourselves. But there, staring me in the face is that privilege again. I simply cannot ignore that my choice to demonstrate, to witness, to insist, to speak out is a reflection of my privilege to be able to make that choice. While I marched across the Brooklyn Bridge last Thursday, Immigration and Customs Enforcement was preparing a case against Marlene Moreno, former high school honor student and mother of two, who has lived, studied, and worked in the United States since she was brought here as a child. While I spoke at a rally in Peekskill a few months ago, Sheriff Joe was sending squads into the barrios of Maricopa County to arbitrarily round up people too brown for his liking. While I attended a rally outside the ICE detention center in New York City this spring, our government was busy deporting Oscar Sanchez, who had served honorably in the United States military despite not being a citizen of our country. We could send him to the green zone, but we couldn't give him a green card. And while I preach this sermon to you today, people are dying in the desert heat in desperate hope of making a better life for themselves and their families. And every day, while I live my life between those things, tending my backyard garden and spending time with my family, Latino immigrants are being held in modern-day slavery in Amokali, Florida, to pick the tomatoes that will end up in our supermarkets. And others are having their families torn apart by our government's agents. I must constantly ask myself whether my privilege is being used to end injustice or to comply with it. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote of civil disobedience as well. Dr. King understood that those who have the least to lose are often the last to risk losing what they have. In 1963, from his cell in the Birmingham, Alabama jail, he wrote that what was needed to create justice was the active participation of white people in the struggle for civil rights of people of color. 
Dr. King knew that those with privilege needed to be allies to those without it. It would not have done to only have black people marching in the street, to only have black people staging sit-ins, to only have black people put their freedom on the lives in the line for justice. And in 1965, two years later, when he called people to witness in Selma, thousands of Unitarian Universalists responded to his call. And in 2010, when Puente asked us to stand with them in love and witness, hundreds of our people went to Phoenix. Because today, it can not only be Latino, Latina, and Hispanic people who take risks for immigration reform, who speak out against racism and unjust laws when they are passed. My colleague, the Reverend David Miller, told this story on the Standing on the Side of Love website as he reflected on the events in Phoenix. As I stood on the street corner, watching those who had volunteered to get arrested stake their claim to the street, he wrote, I heard a young African-American girl turn to her mother and say, what are they doing? Her mother replied, do you remember what I told you about Dr. Martin Luther King? That's what they're doing. I broke into tears. David continues, I looked around at the police sweating in the three-digit temperatures with their black uniforms and riot gear. I looked at the white faces, the brown faces, the black faces, and I thought, what pain, what unnecessary pain. But I also thought, there is a theme to Dr. King's efforts, the current efforts for marriage equality, and for this sweaty, hot work in the streets of Phoenix. This is not about a debate on immigration, he wrote. It is about the need for basic human dignity. Our faith calls us to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person, whatever their skin color, whatever their national origin, whatever their immigration status. Our faith calls us to a radical love for all people, the ones we agree with and the ones we don't, a love that is expressed through our choices, our actions, and our lives. Our faith calls us to welcome the stranger in our midst and to challenge our entire nation to do the same. Our faith, this Unitarian Universalist faith that I love calls us to examine our privilege, to resist the temptation to comply with injustice by remaining silent, to take risks in the name of love, and to be allies to those who need us most. May it be so. We will now collect our offering.